You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I would like to acknowledge that this show was produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation and I want to pay my respect to their elders past and present and recognize any Aboriginal people that are listening to the show today. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, My name is James Brennan. I'm your host for this week's episode of Stick Together. I hope you're enjoying a fantastic start to the year. If you happen to be listening to this around the time of it coming out in early January, then I hope your year has gotten off to a great start. You're enjoying summer or wherever you may be. You could be around the world listening, tuning in. Then I hope things are going well for you. If this is your first time listening to Stick Together, we are a weekly show that is a national program focusing on union news, worker stories, and social justice issues. Thank you to the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their support in enabling us to put on this show and to be able to produce Stick Together for many years and allows us to bring the show to you right across the country and perhaps across the world, wherever you may be listening. If you enjoy the show, please listen to the other episodes with uh, some amazing hosts that put together lots of great stories that Uh, take on lots of issues from workplaces to social justice issues and other campaigning and and issues that affect uh, workers around the world with a particular focus on those in Australia. Coming up for you in a few minutes time is an interview that I did with Professor Michael Mann uh, who's going to be coming out to Australia and New Zealand um, in a couple of months time. The tour is going to be starting 26th of May in Auckland and then there will be shows in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne as well as some virtual events that will be taking place uh, in around those cities as well. Uh, Professor Michael Mann is a climatologist and his work has been revolutionary in elevating our understanding of global temperatures historically and where we might be headed next. Uh, In our discussion, we spoke a little bit about the changing political landscape in the US, where he's from, and Australia here, and how that is shaping climate policy and what he sees as how that is going to impact from a uh, scientific kind of perspective as well. Uh, He's released a number of books and his latest book, The New Climate War, uh, is really tackling some of these issues and looking at how climate policy is going to be potentially implemented by these countries and how we can get ourselves out of this mess. So highly recommend getting a copy of his book and head along to thinkinc.org.au if you want to find out about tour dates for his shows. So here it is. Here's my interview with Michael Mann. Welcome everybody to another episode of Stick Together. I hope that you're enjoying start to the year and we're 
really lucky to be joined today uh, by Dr. Michael Mann, who's a Presidential Distinguished Professor at the Department of Earth and Environmental Science at the University of Pennsylvania, and also um, is at the Annenberg School of Communication as the Director of the Penn Center of Science sustainability and the media. For those listening uh, all around the country, obviously, uh, you know, this show is broadcast across Australia and, you know, perhaps even if you're listening in New Zealand as well, um, Michael is going to be doing a, a tour um, as part of from Think Inc. bringing Michael out to talk about his work on, on climate and getting to, um, you know, beyond net zero. And, you know, Michael has written a lot about um, the climate and, and the science behind, you know, what's happening. And I'm sure there's lots of people both um, within the science world and within the political spaces that would like to hear from Michael. And, uh, you know, we're all kind of ready to debate and, and work out how we can kind of take those next steps forward. So you can grab those tickets um, at the Think Inc. website uh, or, you know, just search online and we'll also link um, forward for people to be able to grab those tickets. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks, James. It's great to be with you. And I guess we should just kind of get straight into it. I, I was wondering, you know, I guess from, you know, as a scientific equation, you know, scientists can look at studying and hopefully find an answer that leads to results. You can share those, publish, talk to others, and, you know, then you can hopefully move forward with the kind of work you're doing. How do you find that, you know, that kind of interacts with this political question, which, you know, the politi political sphere is a can be a much more difficult kind of thing, doesn't it? Because there's a lot more people that you necessarily have to convince with a vested interest in one way or the other to um, try to disprove or, or not want to listen to your ideas? How do you kind of meld yeah. those two things together? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, there are challenges here in the United States. Uh, I encountered some challenges in Australia when I was there uh, a few years ago, uh, for the, you know, happened to coincide with the uh, the, the uh, Black Summer. Um, mm -hmm. I was there to witness the the devastation of, uh, of that summer. And encountered uh, quite a bit of uh, sort of denial and um, sort of climate uh, dismissiveness among some uh, politicians in Australia, just like we encounter with some in the United States. And I, I can tell you, you know, when I started out as a scientist, uh, when I was in graduate school back in the late 1990s, I remember being very young and naive and thinking that oh, all we have to do is we do the science, we put it out there, and these policymakers, they'll take what we tell them uh, and they'll they'll make policy based on it. Uh, owed to be young again <laughs> and so naive, uh, because as you allude to, that's just not the way it works in the real world, where there are powerful vested interests, uh, fossil fuel industry, those who promote uh, the fossil fuel industry, who understandably are pretty happy with the status quo. They want us to stay addicted to fossil fuels because they continue to make huge profits from that addiction. And so they have used pretty much every means at their disposal to prevent us from moving on, from making that transition, which we know we need to make. Um, and so, you know, the, the book tour is really going to be about where do we stand now? Uh, you know, three years ago when I was down in Australia, and it's hard to believe it really was three years ago, um, we were in a completely different situation. Uh, the Morrison uh, government uh, obviously wasn't very proactive in, in dealing with climate. In fact, uh, they were shunned by the international community for their lack of willingness to, to engage in, in meaningful climate action. Um, and now here we are. Uh, we have a new government that was elected uh, last year. 
labor uh, government coalition, which is actually implementing meaningful climate policy. And so there's been a huge change in Australia since then. There's been a huge change here in the United States. We just passed the most aggressive climate legislation that we've ever passed uh, this last term with a 50-50 Senate, a divided Senate, but it was just enough with a tie-breaking vote from a Democratic vice president to pass um, uh, comprehensive uh, climate legislation. And so we're making real progress. And that's the first thing we need to realize because so many people have understandably become very cynical. Um, they've fallen into doom and despair. Like, we're never going to get this done. And, and I can see you know, when I was in Australia a few years ago, why people would feel that way there. We were witnessing the devastating impacts of climate change play out in real time. And there was a government that didn't seem to want to do anything about it. And a media empire, the Murdoch media empire, that was pumping out misinformation and disinformation. And so the point is, we've made progress. We're in a different place now. We're making progress, but we're not making enough progress. So we have to recognize that, yeah, this is not the time for despair, for doomism. We can do this, but it's also not the time for complacency. We've got to do a lot more. Yeah, I think it's interesting you mentioned, you know, there has been, I guess, particularly, you know, in the West and like you said, the US and Australia, we have elected, you know, um, somewhat more progressive leaders, certainly the, the ones that we had previous to, you know, to Biden and um, Albanese. And even, you know, I guess in the UK as well, like, um, you know, they've had, um, a little bit of America around of, of political leaders, but they yeah. they have even with their conservative um, government there, they've certainly had um, a desire to have much more action on climate and not That's to right. um, be skeptical um, on climate uh, yeah. climate change as, as well. But I guess you know you know how much of that you know is and how much of those those policies that are being um, you know voted on at the moment and being pushed through, like you say, it's not quite enough. And you know where are we going to be able to take those those steps? forward. And, and I guess, you know, I feel like it, it needs to come uh, hand in hand with social movements as well. And, you know, we've seen a real dwindling of those kind of um, environmental movements in a lot of ways. There's certainly still groups and, and individuals that are involved in that. But obviously, um, you know, the last couple of years of, of the pandemic and things like that have played a big role in stopping people from being able to organise and and now it feels like people's lives have shifted to such a, yeah. a busy place again. You know, how do we find that space? And and I guess, you know, I don't want to move to um, individualism about what we need to do as individuals to to stop climate, but we do probably need to take some steps back in even to organise and to work out how we're going to work with our, our neighbourhoods and our communities to make that action happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there is a need for both individual action and, and individual responsibility but we need systemic change. And too often we sort of fall into this trap of thinking it's one or the other. And again, some of those vested interests, some of those bad actors would like us to think that it's it all falls upon us, that it's all about us making changes in our lifestyles as individuals, because that takes the pressure off polluters. And you know, we even if everybody were to do everything they could to minimize their environmental footprint and their carbon footprint, if we live in a system that is still stuck on fossil fuels, there's going to be no way to achieve the reductions in carbon emissions that we need. So we need systemic change. We can't allow polluters to convince us that individual change is the solution. Sure, let's do everything we can, you know, in our own individual lives to, to minimize our impact. But the most important thing we can do as individuals is band together 
and put pressure on those politicians who are in a position to help affect systemic change. Um, we need a system that isn't dependent on fossil fuels to provide energy and transportation. And that means policies. We need policies that incentivize a shift away from fossil fuels towards renewable energy. So we need government uh, involvement. We need international, uh, you know, the sorts of international negotiations that we've seen uh, at the conference of the parties, the most recent COP27 uh, summit um, in uh, Sharm el-Sheikh which uh, you know didn't yield as much progress as many of us would like, but there were some significant developments in Australia, which was it was very refreshing. This was the first COP in years where Australia showed up, um, wanting to 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 really engage um, in 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 acting uh, on the climate crisis and played an important role actually in dealing with the issue of um, of what we call loss and damage, the fact that uh, sort of developing nations, um, the global south is is feeling the devastating impacts of climate change and it needs help from the industrial world, need, need resources uh, from wealthy countries to, to insulate themselves from the increasingly devastating consequences of climate. So we made some progress there, um, but you know, but not enough. And again, what we need is systemic change. We can't solve this problem by, you know, simply recycling, you know, our uh, bottles or um, using, you know, public transportation. Um, uh, all that stuff helps. We can make a difference. But without policies that incentivize renewable energy, move us away from fossil fuel energy, we're not going to get there. And so the most important, coming back to the individual, the most important thing the individual can do, the thing that we can do as individuals is work together, is band together, collective action, putting pressure on our politicians to do the right thing. And we saw that it makes a difference. Elections have consequences. And climate was a key issue in the wake of the, the, the Black Summer climate became, you know, was top of mind for a lot of Australians. And that showed up in the election. You had these uh, so-called teal um, independents um, who, you know, displaced a, a, a whole bunch of uh, liberal party climate deniers. Um, and so even in some sort of moderate and conservative regions, you saw the election of politicians who were willing to do something about climate. It was a sea change. It was an example of us working together, putting pressure on our policymakers, voting for politicians who will do something and voting out those who refuse to. Now, there's still work to be done. Uh, you still have folks like uh, Malcolm Roberts, uh, you know, chirping away and denying climate change and sort of creating a whole sideshow of climate denialism. So there, there's still work to be done. We have similar problems here in the U.S. We've got, um, you know, a whole bunch of uh, senators and, um, and, and House members um, who, if not outright denying climate change, certainly aren't willing to do anything about it. I think you mentioned COP27 and, you know, one of the things that I was interested in um, leading up to that conference as well was talking about uh, military emissions. And, you know, that's something that has been left off, um, you know, the, the previous conferences. And it was something that, you know, is is one of, you know, if not the biggest um, emitter of, of any, you know, um, polluters around the globe. And yet it's continually yeah. left off in individual nations and, and across the kind of global um, emissions as well. 
uh, I don't, you know, it's still kind of, it was um, spoken about a lot more in, in, um, at COP27 and certainly lead up to others. You know, how do we get things like that into the kind of public discourse as well? Because, yeah. you know, it is something, you know, obviously even at the moment with, you know, the, the war in Ukraine and, you know, the continued kind of, um, you know, um, wars are unfortunately not kind of going away. And there's still countries like the US and, and Australia uh, continuing, you know, through things like the AUKUS agreement to beef up their um, military um, weapon weapon building, if not their kind of involvement in military yeah. as well. You know, what kind of conversations can we be having even, you know, with people that are involved within military and, um, you know, weapons companies and things like that about these kind of discussions and their impact on climate? Yeah, I mean, right now, this conversation that we're having is an example of the sort of conversation that we need to, to be having um, about the, you know, national security, defense, um, uh, the military, and, and the role it has in this problem. And, and it's sort of, there, there, there are two sort of roles here. First of all, you know, uh, it takes a lot of energy and transport to fight, you know, uh, foreign wars. And so there's huge amounts of, you know, fossil fuel infrastructure that goes on into creating and sustaining large militaries. Um, and, you know, there's been some effort, uh, for example, the United States uh, for the military um, to move away from the sort of uh, heavy carbon footprint uh, using renewable energy where they can. Um, you know, there, there are things that they can do to, to try to decrease their footprint, their carbon footprint. But the best thing for all of us would be if we didn't need huge militaries fighting dangerous wars, typically over resources that are fossil fuel resources. If you look at, you know, some of the bad actors right now um, when it comes to our global politics, uh, Saudi Arabia, um, Russia, these are petrostates. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. Um, these are countries whose primary asset is the fossil fuels under their ground. That's true for Russia. It's true for Saudi Arabia. And as a result, they've done everything they can, including, you know, uh, disinformation campaigns, uh, sort of trying to influence uh, the politics in other countries, Australia, the United States, Canada, France, Germany, um, through social media, using bots and, and trolls uh, to try to sort of pollute our public discourse um, in a way that prevents us from acting on the climate crisis because they don't want us to act. They don't want us to move away from their asset, fossil fuels, to renewable energy. And that, it could be argued that some of the main conflicts, if not the main conflicts that we have faced over the last decade on the global stage are a consequence of petrostates using the fossil fuel money that they have to interfere with global politics in a way that prevents us from acting on the climate crisis. And so they're inseparable. They're, they're truly inseparable. And, you know, the war in Ukraine right now, Russia's invasion, what is, is, is truly uh, an act of almost unprecedented aggression against a sovereign nation um, by Vladimir Putin and Russia, what it's about is using the money and the military force that fossil fuels have given them to try to gain even more land, more resources. Um, and if we weren't reliant on fossil fuels, if, if Europe in particular didn't need Russia's natural gas, 
then we wouldn't be in the situation we're in where Russia has been able to use that as a cudgel to prevent uh, European nations from sort of uh, engaging in even greater sanctions. Uh, so all of it, in the end, comes down to the same fundamental problem, our reliance on dirty energy from fossil fuels. And if we can get off fossil fuels, we would solve, I would argue, some of the main problems we have today when it comes to geopolitical conflict. Yeah, that's a great point, Michael. And um, I think um, I'd love to kind of chat further, but I know you've got a busy rest of your day and I don't want to spoil the uh, tour that is coming up that make sure people are going to uh, buy some tickets. And the tour is kicking off in, in Auckland on 26th of May. And then you're going to be heading uh, right across Australia to Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, think across some other parts of, of Australia as well. There's all of those tour dates, like I said, on the Think Inc. website. There's a couple of other um, special events as well that are online for those that are, you know, maybe not in those areas that can get get along to chat to you and, and to hear more about what you've got to say here. But also, you know, like you mentioned at start, I think that there's um, your book, The New Climate War, and, you know, people can buy that, um, scribe publications online, um, also at you know, many good bookstores and make sure you, you read that before you come along and, um, you know, listen and, and fire some questions at you when you're in the country. Yeah, th thanks so much. Uh, I'm really looking forward to returning there. Um, it was sort of Australia became a second home to me. And, and I felt like I, I bonded with Australians because we all lived through the, the black summer together. And then we lived through the beginning of the pandemic together. And so I have so many friends back there. And I feel like I've got this large community of friends out there that I haven't had a chance to meet. And so I'm really looking forward to making it uh, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, Brisbane, and um, we'll also be in Auckland and New Zealand and doing a couple of virtual events as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think that uh, Australia, you know, is real, truly on the front lines of dealing with the impacts of climate change, as we've seen from the, the fires, the drought, the heat and the wildfires, bush fires of the Black Summer to the devastating floods um, that you've endured uh, this last year. Australia's on the front lines of dealing with the climate crisis, but I also feel now that Australia is on the front lines of doing something about the climate crisis. And so I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about it, Michael. And yeah, I think even, you know, the title of the book, The Climate War, that's something we can certainly relate to in Australia because it feels like not just the war with the climate itself, but in the political sphere as well, it feels like a battle that we've all been fighting. Um, so really appreciate your, um, you know, insight into all of this as well. Thanks a lot Thank for joining you. us and look forward to seeing you out here soon. Uh, thanks so much, James. Well, that's been another episode of Stick Together. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've been your host, James Brennan. And on this week's episode, we've been listening to an interview with Professor Michael Mann. If you want to attend any of his uh, tour that's coming up through Australia and New Zealand, head to the Think Inc. website and you can search his name to find out about his books or any of his other work. If you want to listen to any of the other episodes of Stick Together, then the podcasts are all available at the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, or wherever you normally listen to podcasts, you can listen there 
and you can also review and rate the show. If you want to get in touch with the producers, then please head along to your email and check in to sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. Let us know if you've got a story, a workplace issue, or anything that you'd like us to cover. And once again, thank you to the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their support in enabling us to be able to produce this show and get all these great stories to you, the listeners, uh, wherever you may be across the country or even perhaps around the world listening on podcast. And to finish things off uh, for this episode, I'm going to leave you with a song. It's from the Dead Kennedys from their 2001 album, Plastic Surgery Disasters in God We Trust, Inc. And the song is called Moon Over Marin. Until next time, stick together.
brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 250 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminuaya Mōbōhina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. I work for it, 3CR Community Radio has been our partner for the last 45 years and they've always been a part of our struggle, particularly on Invasion Day and today they're doing a whole day of broadcasting and programming around Invasion Day as they usually do for the last couple of decades they've done that for us. I just want to acknowledge the 3CR mob. Tune in to Uprise Radio every first and third Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR. With Jackson and James, we're bringing you the in-depth analysis of what's happening in the world all in just 30 minutes. You can listen live to air or you can find us on demand. 3cr.org.au. Stay tuned. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.